Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about checkouts. Uh, not the first time that we've uh, tackled the topic, but um, I've got a guest here whose company uh, you know, has serviced and supported over 20,000 Magento sites. Uh, and so really, I, I think we're going to get to the heart of a lot of what it takes um, to really have a strong conversion rate, as well as uh, some topics around uh, other checkout related necessities like security. So with no further ado, uh, Tian Lan, would you do the honor of introducing yourself and One Step Checkout? Sure. Thanks for having me, Robert. Or oh, Bob, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm Tian Lan Weber. And for those who don't know me, um, I'll explain a little bit what you see and what you hear, like an Asian lady with a strange Australian French accent. So I'll spend a bit of time on my background. <clears throat> I was born in Paris. Uh, my, my origins are Vietnamese. And uh, so I, I was born and raised there, um, studied at a business school in Paris and started working at uh, Accenture uh, as a management consultant, focusing on uh, retail and uh, CPG. And then life led me to go to Australia and there I decided that consulting wasn't for me, there wasn't enough action, so I went to marketing for a French cosmetic brand called Clarence, very, very well known. From there, I moved on to Johnson & Johnson, uh, tier one, the biggest American company. And from there, uh, that was a big turning point, I joined eBay in 2007. So from there, with eBay and working with PayPal, I learned a lot about digital e-commerce and um, that's why I'm here today. You know, that's interesting. You went from a lot of big companies. I mean, I, I would consider all of those, you know, Accenture, Johnson & Johnson, um, eBay and PayPal. I mean, I don't know. I suppose everyone started somewhere, like, you know, depending on, uh, you know, when you're a part of a certain team, it could have been a little smaller. But in general, uh, you know, you've now, with One Step Checkout, you're really at, at a company that's really more hyper-focused on a particular uh, problem and, a, and solving that problem for a particular market. Um, what was that like, making that kind of a real career shift in terms of maybe having a bigger impact in a smaller uh, pond, <laughs> so to speak? That change was brought by life. So as a family, we were in Australia and we thought uh, we wanted to go back to Europe as we had small children. So uh, we came back to Europe and my husband landed a job in Oslo. That's where I met One Step Checkout. And I figured, oh, that's an interesting way to stay in e-commerce, um, still work for a leader in their market, although it's a bit more niche, and to bring more capabilities in terms of communications and marketing. Yeah, and so you've really, <laughs> you're beyond a world traveler. You've settled down in lots of different places. Uh, today, are, are you um, based in France again now? Is that where you call home? 
So uh, last year, exactly 12 months ago, we moved back to France for the first time in 16 years. And uh, I've been working remotely since. But basically, um, once the Tricard was born global, so from day one, uh, they had staff and customers all over the globe. So it didn't make any difference whether I was in France. That's a very, very, um, I was very fortunate. And it's interesting to see that uh, even before the pandemic, uh, remote work was uh, widespread and very easy to manage. And I even gave a talk about that at uh, Magento New York in 2018 about the work balance. Lots of studies showed that people were motivated by um, better flexibility in terms of locations and hours, and that the productivity was even higher. Some companies tried uh, work four days, paid five, and they saw a jump in productivity. Yes, I've been remote for about three years now, and I'm, I had a background of running a team of you know, helping to run a business uh, and having everyone on site. And I miss, um, you know, some of the interactions in person. But then again, I'm used to traveling to so many trade shows and visiting uh, coworkers on site and doing other things that um, in a normal year, there's a lot of balance. And then this year, everyone's had my experience of, of being home. And, uh, you know, I, I know for some it's been challenging, but for so many, um, they see that the productivity of not having the commute time um, of, in some cases, having more uninterrupted time, uh, you know, because there isn't, hopefully, I mean, you know, depending, uh, certainly a lot of us had kids home uh, for periods of time and still do. Uh, but in general, um, less water cooler conversation, as as we say, <laughs> you know, less stopping and chatting with people. And um, those conversations can be helpful and meaningful and impactful. But when you've got more than you can get done in the day, sometimes uh, the, the balance uh, is tough. So um, I, I find that's a really, really interesting balance. And so tell me a little bit more about One Step Checkout. So it's a company that, that was founded in Norway um, and really focused, obviously, the name. I love to ask about company names, but this one seems rather obvious uh, and well-chosen, um, and especially well-chosen because... You know, thinking about the history, to my knowledge, the company really still focuses on one-step checkout and hasn't particularly branched into other things. Has decided to be masters of that domain, uh, uh, really to focus the expertise and not to be developing uh, a million things at a time. What does the the company look like in that sense? Was it uh, you know was it really born out of necessity or? Um, was it, you know, just an idea that someone was hoping would take off and, and they've really just kept at it? So the company started in 2010 when the two co-founders, so one was a tech whiz and the other one was a fearless sales guy. They started shipping um, Magento One stores and one client called them up and said, hey, your store is really broken. How do you expect my customers to go through six pages of checkout? asking them all these informations, it's not going to work. So those two guys thought, hmm, that's interesting. And if this client is asking for it, chances are all the other Magento One clients will ask for it. Um, and, you know, we, and it was a, a great bet because then at the heyday, there were over 250,000 installations. 
So they thought, yeah, let's uh, solve it for this one and for everyone else. And let's focus on one uh, thing, but do it really well. And they picked that one because checkout is the most critical area of any online business. You can get as traffic as you want, get people to buy, upsell, cross-sell. But if they don't check out and don't place the order, you lose all those efforts. So they knew there was something there that the market really needed it. And so they developed something that's solid enough to um, cater to everyone's needs. And then it was a virtual circle because across all regions, customers were like, oh, in my region, I need the house number to be separated. In my region, I need this. In my business, I need this type of payment uh, method. So we can say the, um, the solution was stress tested by thousands of uh, different use cases. And we were able to solve, you know, almost all of it. That's that's interesting. So an earlier player in this market being starting it in, in 2010 and coming from merchant demand. So, you know, not just an idea, but, you know, something that was being asked for in market. And, you know, fast forwarding to today, I know the stat from your website and, and your marketing materials that 20,000 plus Magento merchants uh, you know, have uh, purchased and utilized uh, the extension. I know that there's a version for Magento 1 and a version for Magento 2. About how many uh, merchants do you think are actively using the one-step checkout uh, system today between those two platforms? So, um, yeah, what, what we can see is our number of orders. So we are approaching 25,000 and over a thousand of them are Magento 2. Now, we don't know uh, who is live um, because we made a business and technical decision not to call home. So we don't know at any point in time who is live and we don't know how much uh, merchants are processing in terms of transaction volume. So, yeah, we can't. Yeah, we can't figure out how many are live, but um, what we can say is that, um, interestingly enough, we also have lots of what we call pirates. So it's um, stores out there who have an extension but have never paid for it. So they got it you know, in a legal way, and there are a lot of them out there. So there are probably more uh, stores live with ones to check out mm -hmm. than we would think. Mm -hmm. Shame. Shame on them for stealing from a small business. I mean, I, I say it with a little bit of jest, but no, really. Um, you know, <laughs> pirating is, uh, you know, is a real thing. Um, you know, there's open source code out there for all of us, and that's great. But uh, there are times when, you know, a, a business is counting on people to do the right thing. Um, now, so about a thousand on, on M2, that's interesting. Would you say that that's been really picking up pace in the last few months? I'll say that from the web hosting standpoint, uh, you know, I was just talking about um, on, on another taping this week, how, you know, at the beginning of, of this year of 2020, we still had a lot of Magenta One users and we had a lot of folks coming over for our uh, Magenta One end of life security uh, packages around uh, the web hosting layers and web application firewalling, malware scanning, intrusion detection, you know, all, all the things that we do in our, our partnerships uh, around security with, with companies like Mage One uh, and, and Sansec and, 
uh, you know, Sakuri, Cloudflare. And now that I'm looking back at the data, um, it looks like, you know, we've really dwindled that down to a fraction of our user base that a large percentage, these are mainly mid-market and enterprise users, but uh, they have made the upgrade to Magento 2. Um, and so we know that there's still a lot of Magento 1 sites out there. There's really good data to support that. Um, but the velocity, of course, now really seems to be around Magento 2, that anyone that's doing um, serious work by the volume is choosing to do it on M2. Uh, are, are you seeing a similar trend line? Yeah. So, yeah, what, what was interesting is that in 2020, we still had a couple of Magento 1 orders every week. And then starting from July, it really stopped. And that's where Magento 2 picked up big time with big enterprise clients, mid-market. <clears throat> but we, we still have questions from Magento 1 clients who are adding domains, getting licenses for more stores. So that's quite interesting. And that's why we keep supporting our M1 customers. We did a survey back in 2018, and 30% of them said they would stay on M1 in the medium term. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, still We still have some really large merchants on M1, and including folks on Magento, Enterprise Magento Commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's not unusual um, that there are teams that are still engineering uh, their next site, or um, there's still some that haven't even broken ground on their next site. And, um, you know, we're, I, I think, as a community here to support them, uh, you know, I know as a community here to support them. Uh, but, you know, like, like you say, that some of them are continuing to, uh, to move forward um, with what they have, and they're not just sitting on their hands idly, uh, you know, not maintaining and trying to grow. But that, that's interesting that you're seeing folks still spinning up M1 um, and, and still leveraging fresh sites. You know, I, I would imagine that with all of the Magento 1 extensions removed from the Magento marketplace, it's probably a little harder for people to find uh, extensions like yours for Magento 1 specifically. Maybe they could search for something. And if it's available for Magento 2, they could go back to your website and see if you're still offering it for M1. Um, but I think that to the best of my knowledge, there's now no central repository, no directory to go search M1 extensions. And that probably makes it a little bit harder for these users to find good tech to add that they have to go on their experience and the experience of others in the community, which is vast. <laughs> um, but uh, would you say that that's probably pretty accurate that, um, that in essence, a lot of the users, they're people that were already familiar with the product? Yes. So we established a very um, strong brand awareness. So we have an, we sell most of our licenses on search. And on M1, we were definitely very, very popular, probably more popular than any other Magento, other Magento extensions. So uh, yeah, they wouldn't have a problem finding us or thinking about us. <clears throat> but also we did a lot of communications because it's important for our M1 merchant to feel that even if Adobe doesn't support them one anymore, they can still have a safe and secure checkout. You know, they don't want to have attacks and stuff like that. So we are working very closely with members of the community like Mage One, OpenMage, Sensec, to, and yourself 
to make sure that mm -hmm. if they choose to stay on M1 a little bit longer, they can still have a performing checkout that is safe and secure. Now, I can say that we're thankful for working with, with great companies. And, you know, it, it was one of the things that really stood out to us about One Step Checkout. Uh, the fact that we're working with a lot of the same security experts uh, in the Magento community and that we're all working toward the same ends, keeping merchants safe. Um, you know, I know that there was recently that uh, that card bleed attack that hit a few thousand Magento One sites. Um, and, um, you know, it seems that, uh, you know, JetRail's customers were uh, were protected or, and remain safe. Um, and, you know, we're, we'll remain vigilant. You know, we know that uh, web hosting played a big role in that one, the uh, server configurations and, um, and uh, you know, access rules and things. And so, you know, it's, it's important, I think, for all of us that touch the checkout or touch these sites to really be banded together and really focused on the same goals. And when there is a zero day and, you know, in this case, again, you know, so, some Networks like JetRails were better protected um, th than others that don't have the same security apparatus. But I think that it's just as important that we all rise to the occasion to put out updates and to lock things down and, and to protect the users as quickly as possible. Um, there's a difference between having a security incident and having a security incident that lingers. Um, you know, catching it as it's happening. You know, if you catch the thieves, you know, before they really get away with anything. Uh, then you're, you know, yeah, yes, it's a, a headache, but <laughs> it's not nearly as damaging. Um, so certainly very important. And I, I'm going to ask uh, about a different stat that I pulled from your site. Um, your site mentions about $8 billion in annual transactions. Particularly that, you know, that's um, an interesting figure. Uh, first, I'll ask, because you mentioned that there is no call home feature in your extension. So how does your company come to uh, figures like that? How, how do you compute that kind of data? So we, we extrapolate based on insight we get from our customers. So back then it was 20,000 customers and the hypothesis is that they were making 400,000 a year. So you do the math and that's how you get your 8 billion. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we, you know, we we don't have a, a way to yeah. track that. I think four hundred thousand is a pretty fair uh, baseline. I mean, considering that there are some stores that probably you know were petering out and weren't really producing, but um, for most people to maintain their Magento one site properly or Magento two site properly, um, you know, they, they have to have a real revenue. Uh, you know, it's it is software that that really does cater more toward established business. Um, and, you know, we have users doing hundreds and hundreds of millions, if not, you know, in some cases, perhaps billions in revenue through the platform. So, um, you know, I, I think that it certainly could average out pretty easily. Uh, so that makes sense. This is a, an interesting year where I think uh, just about every major category, uh, every major industry or vertical in e-commerce has seen lift at one point or another. Um, and for a lot of categories, that's been sustained. Um, certainly, there are some uh, businesses that, that are hurting more because people aren't gathering and aren't using certain uh, certain products that they would normally for gathering um, and, and group uh, events and activities. But would you 
would you say that that perhaps that 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 number, if you were to do the math again for 2020, that it would be a little bit different just based upon the year that e-commerce is having? E-commerce grew at a massive pace. And uh, according to Adobe's report, it would have taken four to six years to reach those levels. So definitely a big boost this year. And uh, it's happening in all the markets where we have a big presence, so the US, the UK, the Netherlands. And um, <clears throat> there's no reason why it wouldn't have impacted those with one-step checkout. Uh, even better, I think those with one-step checkout would have converted more of that uh, influx of traffic than their competitors. And it's quite good because, and imagine if they use jet rails and have even better performance and speed, we know that is a big factor for conversion. So with that, uh, it's much easier for them to beat the market and go faster than the market. Yeah. You know, we like to look at a lot of data points when it comes to, you know, the loading speed, because but, you know, we can deal with uh, content delivery networks and Varnish and Redis and, you know, other caching. And, uh, and we can handle all of the, uh, you know, the, the hardware and, and cloud provisioning um, to really use, uh, you know, best in class technology and the configurations and optimizations around everything and all sorts of, of other layers that are going to have a, a deep impact on time to first byte and overall loading speed. But as a web host, we don't control the application itself. And so there are inherently going to be bottlenecks and challenges when it comes to the Magento software, when it comes to callbacks to third parties, um, you know, things that are, are loading from external servers. Um, you know, and so it, it absolutely makes a difference having the right systems. Uh, you know, Magento 2 natively moved uh, to an optional two-step checkout and I think, you know, when I first read that that was happening, I, I thought that that might solve that pain point of, you know, the, the old five-step checkout. But in so many ways, it doesn't, that native checkout doesn't really optimize the way that a shopper would appreciate. That it's, it's a, if you were to actually look at the checklist of things that like one-step checkout does to enhance the checkout, it's a little bit night and day for the experience. And because we all know that when it comes to seconds in that checkout, you can easily lose the shopper. I'm glad you're asking that because that's the big elephant in the room. Like with Magento 2, um, shortening the checkout to only two steps, why do we need a one-step checkout? And we just made a video around that because we found um, a study over... Um, 5,000 online shoppers asking them why would they abandon a checkout. And what they say is one of the reasons is um, registration. So when you come to a site and you place all these items in your cart and then they say, oh, you need to register, then you lose a lot of people. So the registration mode is a big challenge. On the one hand, um, merchants want to get customers, not just orders. So they want an email address. Marketers want an email address and all those sorts of um, uh, information so they can market to them. But at the same time, would you rather have less customers with all that data or do you want to have maximum customers? <laughs> so registration is one of the big, um, big challenges. 
And uh, I want to say we solve that by allowing various ways um, customers can register. And the best one, the one that is utilized the most and have been asked by customers is a seamless uh, cake box. So when you enter your shipping details, you enter your email address, and then you can simply tick a box where uh, it expands and you can add a password. So just one additional line, and then you put your address and so on. So it's very quick and easy, very natural in flow, and that allows um, customers to, uh, to register. So that's one of the main reasons why they abandon a checkout. The other one is uh, not being able to see order totals at uh, upfront. So they so in the default Magento to checkout, they enter your shipping address, shipping method, and then it calculates. And then you see your order total in the next page. You choose yeah. your payment. I method. hate you clicking next um, after I enter my personal information in order to see totals. It's a a personal uh, pet peeve of mine because I know that it's not required uh, in, in in order to get to that point. But at that point, I'm giving up my uh, personal identifying data. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's really not, um, not a comfort zone that um, I've definitely had uh, websites that I've shopped on that I moved on from, because it just wasn't, uh, wasn't something that I guess maybe because I'm in the industry, <laughs> um, I, I might take it a little bit differently. Like, I just, no, thank you. Like, if you guys can't do this right, I, I can't help you here. <laughs> I'm exactly. going to the next website. Um, and maybe I'm a little surprise. extreme. but And you don't want surprises when you think you're going to pay, let's say, $50. And you say, oh, I've got a coupon code. So I'm sure I'm going to, it's going to be 40 and that's my limit. And then you see additional sales taxes. And because they're shipping to a different address, it's going to be more. All yeah. those things that you can't see upfront is very frustrating. Well, and so, I think it really depends in some cases who you're shopping with. If you're buying from Apple, well, you know, you know who they are and you know what you're getting and you're going to do what you have to do to get through the checkout. Um, I, I say the same with branding that, you know, when you get to Apple's website, they don't have to tell you much about their story as a company. You know who they are. <laughs> you know, they, they've already convinced you that they're a, a leading brand in the universe. Uh that's not how most e-commerce sites are intended to operate. You have to instill trust. You have to make people comfortable. You have to cater to them and, and you have to get rid of roadblocks and get them through the process as quickly as possible. Uh, and, and so, you know, there are differences in how some companies can operate. Um, I know that both of our teams work with some really large merchants that deal with the same problems that, uh, you know, just because they're large companies, perhaps they're really big in brick and mortar and retail. And for their online websites, they, you know, they're working just as hard to make sure that someone buys it from them as opposed to going to Amazon and searching and getting whatever they find or, you know, whether, whether it's from, you know, from their brand or some knockoff or who knows, or, uh, you know, they, they want to capture the sale in the moment. So exactly, just as important. Um, and, you know, I, I pulled a lot of stats from your site before this, so apologies in, in advance. But uh, you know, I tried to do my homework. Right, uh, your site does prominently advertise that you have in-house support team members, with a good amount of sites now moving to Magento too. Have has your team seen support backlogs and response times impacted? Has that uh, caused any 
bumps in the road uh, in terms of your operations? So I have to be very honest. I'll be very honest here. Uh, back in 2017, when we first launched from Fed Checkout for Magento 2, it was hard. It was really hard. The platform was unstable. There were issues everywhere. So uh, yeah, it was really complex. And we wanted to do the right thing. So not reverse engineer from Magento 1. We really wanted to follow the philosophy of Magento 2 and allow merchants for scalability and modularity. So we want our vision is that one step checkout will be compatible with any payment methods, shipping methods that they want to implement, and any third party extension that uh, follows the Magento 2 coding standards. But those standards were quite um, demanding, and it wasn't easy for everyone to follow them. So that was um, that was the real challenge. Hmm. <laughs> So then uh, the good thing of, uh, in, in, so our business model is that our support team is the same people who develop the product. So when someone asks a question, they don't get uh, first line support saying, oh, we got your, uh, your request and we'll send it to the experts. They get the expert directly. So it could take a little bit of time for the expert to respond, but when they respond, they come back with a solution. So uh, I love that model. Um, you know, some describe it as you know having to eat your own dog food. That you, you know, you develop this now. You know it best, and um, and you know you you really uh, are in the best position to improve it in a lot of ways. Uh, from our side, we have a few Magento extensions that we make available. Uh, you know, some publicly and some to clients. So we have Cloudflare extensions for Magento One and Magento Two that pull. Cloudflare settings and resources right into the Magento admin, so you don't need to be logged in somewhere else. Um, it all, you know, does the work through the APIs. Um, very convenient, uh, and we do from time to time get uh, developers reaching out uh, with inquiries, and we pull, you know, right in the uh, the developer of the extension. You know, really great <laughs> member of our team. Um, and the same with our two-factor authentication extension for Magento One, which is you know just an extra security layer, um, or our Varnish extension for Magento Two, which is really meant for for clients, um, you know, to really uh, enhance the experience uh, as they're using Varnish with their M2 sites. But uh, it, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said for that. That there are, if you were to go through the Magento marketplace a good number of extensions that integrate third parties and add features and do things that are made by, uh, by third party companies that aren't made by the company whose technology is being integrated. Um, and I think that, that inherently leads to challenges uh, in a lot of cases with long-term um, updates and patching and upgrades um, that it's not always a match made in heaven um, to go that route. Yeah. So, yeah, so we also gather a lot of insight from our customers so we can prioritize our roadmap. If we say that, oh, you know, the majority of customers have that issue. So recently, the big issue we had, and I'm sorry for customers who had to wait a little bit longer to get that solved. Uh, it was uh, issues with um, payment methods like Braintree, Amazon Pay. So it took a little bit longer for our support team to fix, but then they released a new version with all the fixes. And, you know, it makes... In, in yeah. one hit, you make 20 people happy. Well, you know, there's a lot of flux in the market around that. We've had episodes of this podcast where we've talked about 
the deprecation of certain payment methods uh, from the Magento core uh, and you know why some of that's happening around new security standards from the payment card industry, uh, from uh, different uh, regions of the world and governing bodies, uh, especially around Europe. Um, and so it's understandable that in some cases there's going to be some time to uh, deal with that and mass as all of these different payment uh, gateways are updating their integrations uh, for platforms like Magento and such. But uh, I can understand, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, some some users out there that felt uh, if, you know felt the wait time um, by like, you know that sometimes um, you know days can feel like years. So. <laughs> Uh, that's for sure. And, you know, I do imagine, um, you know, that the product does keep evolving in a pretty healthy way. So you mentioned the roadmap. Uh, do you find that, you know, pretty much every year, um, you know, aside from just uh, making your one-step checkout compatible with other companies' extensions and with Magento core updates and you know other security and, and standards that are happening in the market um, that you're able to find additional improvements based upon how technology is progressing and what users are looking for? Definitely. So we gather requirements in terms of new features as well. And uh, we're quite happy to say that uh, a couple of months ago, we released a new feature where you can update your quantities directly in at checkout. So that, that's quite important because from a user experience perspective, often, that happens to me a lot, um, websites are a bit slow. So you think you've added it to your, to your cart. No, you don't think you've added it to your cart, but you have. So you click again, and then you add two, and then you go to checkout, and you're like, oh, no, I don't want to buy two of them, only one. So That's a, not as uncommon as, <laughs> as some people would think. Uh, you know, especially as you do the math, as you've added different things. Yeah, no, I don't really need four of those today. I'll just take two and I'll, I'll order again in a couple of weeks um, or whatever it may be. But uh, I think I tend to do that this year just because uh, I don't want to make myself sound like a hoarder. But, you know, two kids at home, including one that's an infant, and you find yourself ordering diapers, formula and all sorts of things. And you know, you want to be stocked up. You don't want to have to run out to the store, you know, unnecessarily. Uh, and, you know, but at the same time, how much do you really want to stock up on on some items? Uh, it, it seems a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit too much in some cases. So I've found myself this year more than I think ever um, grappling at checkout. And especially in South Florida, where we've had, you know, various hurricanes passing by and uh, we've been very lucky uh, where I'm at, but in general, not a not a good hurricane year um, for the Gulf Coast and such, um, for sure. And so, you know, you, you want to be prepared. And I think that leads to a lot more jostling at the last minute for, okay, well, you know, now this this is probably a little too much. Let's uh, let's come back to something a little bit more normal. Um, you know, let's not be a real hoarder about this. Uh, you know. Uh, I do think it's interesting, though, that your extension is only working uh, with Magento 1 and 2, that that's really where your team has focused. You're you're really banking on the future of Magento. Has there been any plan to support other platforms or um, have you really decided to, to double down on this community? 
So we've been asked uh, by other uh, for to develop an extension for other platforms, but uh, the market is not favorable. Either it's too early or it's not big enough. Uh, for now, we still have the, have a lot to do on Magento, uh, especially with our big Magento One base. We don't want them to stay on Magento One forever. Uh, our mission is to help Adobe and the whole community get them to Magento Two in the smoothest way, and uh, and we don't want them. Basically, we don't want them to leave the platform. So. So yeah. that's why we've been gathering a lot of tips from our agencies to help them uh, get some learnings and insight on how to plan for a smooth migration. And uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so that's what we've been uh, looking at as well. Yeah, You know, my personal thought has always been that there are going to be different platforms that are best for different users. But Merchants shouldn't have to jump around because they don't have the right web development team uh, helping to build and maintain their site because they don't have the right uh, web hosting support uh, to tailor and customize around their needs and, you know, maintain and monitor and manage and be proactive for them. Um, they, they shouldn't have to chase a different tech stack for technology. I mean, Magento is really as robust as it's going to get uh, for these merchants as flexible and um, as powerful it's gonna, as it's going to get. So, uh, you know, if, if there are merchants that are retracting or that really, you know, they're very simplified business to consumer needs, um, you know, small business, I, I could see why they're going to shop around. Um, for a lot of these more established and growing merchants, uh, you know, we just like to make sure that they've got the resource that they need that we hear. I think more than ever, we've been seeing folks try out different clouds this year. Um, I'd say for the last two years, and it's been one of the top reasons that we've run into that they uh, wind up migrating because they have a bad experience because they don't have the right um, the right support and the right partners involved. And we've seen the same, of course, throughout the totality of the Magento experience. That, like any site, you know, it doesn't matter what platform. If if you have developers that don't know the platform well, um, that that don't, uh, you know have good coding standards in place and uh, best practices and, you know, QA quality assurance, um, you know, for testing and such to make sure that what they're delivering for you is really good. Uh, you know, of course, the grass is always going to be greener on the other side, then that you're just going to feel like you got, a, you know, the raw <laughs> end of that deal. Um, and, and you're going to move over and so speak about standards and things like that. Um, you're, uh, team is a part of the extension development network, uh, EXTDN. Um, has that been helpful? Is it still active? Has that helped to set certain standards and, and keep certain alignment within the community to make sure that uh, extension development teams are uh, are sharing uh, knowledge and best practice and uh, and helping the community as more of a cohesive part of the ecosystem? Yes. So yeah, I'd like to share the story of how it all came about because it's a great story putting um, highlights on the power of the community and all the events. So uh, it all happened that uh, imagine 2018, uh, I signed up to the Big Damn Run, you know, the one organized by Brett. Sure, we were sponsoring this year. And of course, <laughs> Magento Imagine wound up being canceled, but uh, I would like to have uh, you know run into you again there. <laughs> There you go. 
So uh, yes, I signed up and um, uh, I booked a seat to get on the bus to get to the dam. And uh, it happens that uh, I sat next to Christoph Ringleff, um, the uh, founder of Fuman. And so we started chatting and we so we had so many values in common for our extension business. Uh, it was a great chat. So on the way back, uh, we came back by car with other members of XDN and really it was a, uh, we, we could see we were really aligned. Um, so next thing we know, we get an invite, invitation to join XDN. And uh, at the end of the year, it was uh, time for the yearly board election. And they kindly invited me to uh, become a member of the board. So I was uh, very flattered and thought, uh, you know, it, it also makes sense in, in a way because I'm adding a different perspective, perhaps a little bit less technical, but more business oriented. And uh, indeed, I helped the um, organization get a bit more visibility. So, um, uh, so what was quite good is that uh, the following year, we had a lot of traction because we participated to many uh, in-person events, mm -hmm. uh, all the big magento events. So we were able to hand out uh, flyers like this one. So that's quite good. So I'm we had with uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, so we had we had flyers for developers with do and don'ts on um, developing quality extensions, but also for merchants and agencies to say, you know, this is what you should do and not do when you are choosing an extension, because a poorly coded extension might be cheaper firsthand, but then you will spend so many more hours fixing issues and and not having updates and things like that. Um, you know, we tell that to a lot of people about um, like, you know, shared hosting environments with Magento too, that, and the same really applies with M1. Um, but when it's not really optimized and, and configured and tailored for you and secured for you and, um, you know, in terms of loading speed, in terms of, uh, you know, a, a lot of um, the issues that, that users have, you're, in terms of support, um, in, in most cases, you in life in general, you get what you pay for. Uh, and what could you do with <laughs> uh, with faster uh, support um, that was more responsive and more proactive? And you know, without having to go through round after round trying to resolve the same issue. And you know, what, what could you do with uh, with something that was really catering to your needs better? Um, it's it's a very common conversation in the market. I think the same applies. Um, to a lot of things, you can <laughs> whatever money you want to spend for web development. I think you can find someone that will meet you there. Uh, you won't necessarily be happy with the results, um, you know. So I think at every step of uh, of the journey, it's really about finding that happy medium of not what's the cheapest thing, but what's going to bring the most long term value. What's going to deliver, you know. Web hosting, we you know look at scalability and stability and and reliability of the sites and you know aside from speed and security and uh, it's you know and, and just you know the amount of work to get through support requests and such as needed it's so different than just focusing on it as a commodity as well what's the cheapest um, you know that's often not going to be the cheapest in the long run. <laughs> 
So exactly. I would say the same with something like a one-step checkout. If you just go and grab the cheapest thing, it's probably going to have more code conflicts with different extensions that you're already running. Um, it may not be as well-maintained long-term as uh, Magento versions are updated. There's ups and downs um, you know, to, to going with something that's... Uh, it may not be as robust and as valuable in terms of how it impacts your conversion rate. There's a lot that, that happens in that regard. Um, that's interesting. You know, uh, I, uh, I, I miss seeing people like Christoph at uh, events like Magento Imagine, though. And, um, you know, you get me thinking about a lot of those folks, <laughs> you know, just seeing flyers and things from, uh, from these trade shows. Yeah. Um, so much information that we've all gained um, by participating. Uh, I, I know that Meet Magento New York is coming up and I'll be participating virtually and there's uh, there's been you know uh, you and I actually met at a Magento Association uh, virtual conference virtual uh, meetup. So you know I, I think we're all doing our best this year to, uh, to take advantage of what we can um, to really network and stay on top of uh, what's going on out there. Exactly. So that was our challenge, and I guess that's why you're asking the question: Is it still active? So for the last I don't know, nine months, we haven't been very present as XDN because there were no in-person events. So we thought, oh, what can we do to come back uh, on, you know, in, in front of everyone? And uh, so today, uh, I'm very happy to say that we just published a blog releasing a set of tools. So last year with those flyers that you can find at xdn.org slash resource, you see the do and don'ts of um, how to code an extension. But this year with these tools, we're not just telling you what to do, we help you um, check, test, uh, and <clears throat> stress test your code. So uh, very, very excited to say it was released this morning and uh, hopefully we'll be able to announce it at Magento New York um, at the end of the month. So, um, yeah, and why, why did we pick Mid Magento New York? Not only the time, but also we particularly like their focus on diversity and inclusion. Uh, Marsha is doing a lot of efforts to get more uh, first-time speakers, female speakers. And at XDN, we recently uh, had a new female member joining, uh, Zveta from uh, NextBS. And we hope she will um, get the opportunity to talk more about those tools at uh, Magento New York. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been to that event multiple times in person, and I, I can speak to, uh, you know, a lot of the quality there that I would certainly have been going in person if it was in person. And I'm glad to be uh, attending virtually that, um, that Marsha and team certainly worked very hard uh, to make that event the success that it is. So. Uh, you know, and speaking of, um, uh, of JavaScript and other things, you know, uh, you know, it sounds like, like there's a good speaker, uh, lined up, uh, around that when it comes to progressive web apps, PWA technology, uh, I know that, you know, Magento has certainly been progressing their PWA studio. I think we're at version seven point something now, uh, and you know there are other PWA front ends being leveraged. It's uh, maybe not consistently getting used, but um, it, it certainly continued to be important 
in the community in terms of delivering fast and uh, and very user friendly front end experiences. Uh, has that posed any challenges for your team who provides a piece of technology that's really focused on one component of that customer experience on the checkout? Um, you know, have there been requests and, and issues with being able to deliver your technology for that particular audience? Yeah, so PWA is very, very trendy. And over the last few years, all the various players and standards have been reaching out to us. Um, what we see today is the market is it's still very early days for us to you know, figure out how to best create something for PWA. Uh, but we're quite lucky that uh, we are part of XDN and there are uh, some members like VC Ritzma who are at the forefront of PWA. So we gather a lot of insights uh, from agencies. Uh, personally, we haven't uh, received many um, inquiries from our own customers, merchants. Uh, but uh, collaboratively with XDN, we are uh, definitely listening closely to what customers have to say to best serve that market. And um, you know, speaking of the evolution of the market, any spoilers, any new features coming out that uh, that you can share? Anything particularly interesting in the roadmap? Um. So we so with Magento 2, we are making it a point to have new releases at least four times a year. So there will be new features, fixes, things like that. About the market, what I didn't say as well is, um, uh, you know, the $8 billion uh, processed uh, when we had the majority of M1. I think that's going to increase even though there are less Magento 2 installations. So if you want to see the number of installations, there's very good source of data by Sansec. So I think it's sansec.com slash Magento data usage. And it's updated daily and you can see the number of M1 installations and M2 installations. Mm -hmm. So there are probably 40,000 Magento installations. But what we see is that customers are much bigger. So as an example, if I take a couple of uh, US-based companies who are clients of us, uh, there's um, uh, Helen of Troy, Hot Tools. So they are making, you know, uh, hair dryers and curlers and appliances. And they make, uh, look it up, uh, I think they maybe 1.5 billion uh, in sales. So even if, you know, a third is uh, online, it's still big. Another one is Zag. So it's uh, also listed on the NASDAQ and they're making 500 million. So, you know, the, you, you are not with the 400,000 average uh, sales per year, but it's 10 times, 100 times bigger. That's, that's particularly... You know, always interesting to see these these really big companies, big brands. Uh, uh, in some cases, uh, you know, companies that own multiple brands, uh, like Helen of Troy, uh, engaged in in that way. And you know, you know, it's easy to forget. You know, when you think about something like hair dryers, just how many uh, could really be sold. Um, you know, I. 
So many thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm going to do is definitely share uh, a bunch of links uh, in the description of the episode. So anyone that's tuning in, um, whether through the podcast or through the video uh, of this recording, uh, you'll be able to access in the show description uh, for the episode uh, links for um, all sorts of things that we've been talking about today. Um, and, uh, as we start to wrap up, uh, Tianlan, you've been really generous with your time today. Any final thoughts, anything else that, uh, that you'd like to share with, with the listeners, uh, before we end for the day? So as you said, I really want to thank, um, Magento Association, now known as Magento Force, because, uh, thanks to the, uh, online event, so we got to meet and I want to, um, to go back to that experience. So it was, uh, through Hopin and there was a networking button, like a blue button. So on your side, you clicked and I clicked. And after five seconds, boom, they matched us. And so it was a bit like chat roulette. And I thought it was very engaging, a lot of fun. And that allowed us to start partnering and we'll do lots of uh, stuff together and um, partner to make, um, to provide more value to uh, Magento merchants. So that's um, the beauty of the Magento Association. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. You know, the digital uh, business networking equivalent of speed dating um, turned out to work extremely well and to provide, you know, real results, I think, for the community. Uh, I'm sure not just for, for our companies, uh, but sometimes all that it takes is a few minutes of connecting um, in order to find the common ground where you can solve problems together and, and, uh, uh, be supportive as part of a larger community. I've used that word a lot in today's episode. <laughs> I don't feel bad about it. Uh, and, you know, so I, I'm certainly just as grateful um, for that experience. Um, Tianlan, thank you so much for joining today and thank you for, for sharing me. that background. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope to have you back sometime soon. Definitely. See you soon. Happy sailing, everyone. Hey, listeners, are you still there? Because I have a treat for you. When we taped this episode, I was home in South Florida and Tien Lan was home in France and somewhere in between our internet providers and Zoom and pandemic level usage of the internet, there were a few choppy spots. The raw footage was worse. Trust me. (laughs) So Tien Lan and I thought you'd enjoy this blooper. For those listening to the audio version of this episode, you're just going to have to picture a very nerdy podcast host that probably shouldn't quit his day job for a life as a comedian or, or a sculpture. Uh, with no further ado, enjoy. You still there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did it break up? I thought you were frozen. If you're seeing me freeze, chances are I'm seeing you have that. Um, no, I don't think you were frozen. I think you were just not moving at just all. Not move. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at statue <laughs> uh, impersonation. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, especially in Paris, I could just stand out that at some point, I'd get a few euro, but <laughs> someone would take pity on me. <laughs> just leave a hat on the floor, uh, maybe a briefcase. Um, yeah, my humor gets no better from here. Feel bad for my children. <laughs> That's how they learn, right? What yeah. to do, what not to do. Thanks for listening to the Jet Rails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. 
We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.